One, two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader. Includes, but is not led to. Talk of Star Wars, not Reagans. We can't truly prepare for the joke that follows this song. But hey, we gave it a try. So here's the Knights of Vader. They are divided For equal sequel Hate and love they fight I know that we are just musicians hired And their time is up So here's the Knights of Vader I'm being torn apart I want to be free of this pain I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. Will you help me? A big thank you to An Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. It is April 22nd, 2020. My name is Zach Weber, and folks, my sincerest condolences, but you are stuck with just me, myself, and I this episode. Um, if you're a Zenger fan, you must be hitting that unsubscribe button as fast as possible now. God, how many weeks of no Zenger? You must be just uh, devastated. You're like, geez, this Zach guy just won't go away, but I want more Zang. I got a fever, and the only prescription is more Zang. So I apologize if uh, you're sick and tired of hearing from me. But um, no, before we get to this week's topic, which you can probably guess by the title of this week's episode, I want to uh, run through the winners of last week's trivia contest. Um, as for everybody who participated, thank you so much for uh, sending in an entry. It's so cool seeing people uh, answer the questions that I just pulled out of thin air going through the visual dictionaries of the last four years or so. So with that being said, I want to read every winner. The first winner was Michael Labar, who you might have heard a couple weeks ago. He sent us a fabulous email. And thank you, Michael, for winning the contest. Number two is Karen Best. Karen also submitted some answers, and she got them correct as well. After that is good old Jerry Southern. If you know Jerry from the Facebook group, he is a big Knights of Vader fan. He might be the biggest Knights of Vader fan of all. So, uh, just put it out there, Jerry, that maybe you have some competition because there are some new names that came out of here. So at this contest, so just be wary, Jerry. Next is Alex Mangelos. Thank you, Alex, for submitting some entries and winning. And last but not least, we have Jennifer Oliver, who is our last winner. And to thank everybody who submitted answers, thank you so much. And to those of you next time a little bit faster, or maybe we'll have some more prizes. And I know we have some overseas listeners, Marth Vader and Maximo, who were both not in the U.S., and they wanted to participate, but they couldn't. Um, You know what, guys? Maybe we'll figure out some sort of thing for you. Maybe there's some extra credit. Maybe I'll throw you some trivia questions out. Once this whole uh, coronavirus thing is over, maybe we can work out something for you. Because I just I feel bad that we have international listeners, and there's no way I could uh, scratch their Knights of Vader itch. Um, But no, um, thank you, everybody. And with that being said, I'm going to go through uh, the answers to the trivia contest. The very first question in the trivia contest was, what was the name of the ship that Han Solo and Chewbacca are flying when they encounter Rey and Finn? That is the Iravana. And for the record, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing any of this stuff right, because a lot of this stuff is simply from the uh, from books and stuff. It's never pronounced on screen, so if my pronunciation is wrong, again, forgive me. Number two, what was the name of the planet that was once believed to be Starkiller Base? And the answer was Ilum. 
I know um, Gus sent me an email saying that there was some stuff out there that could be contradictory based on the fact that Starkiller Base has trees and Ilum did not have trees. Uh, Gus brought up a very good point that I never thought of that, though. But based on all the uh, Star Wars galactic maps I've seen, it seems that Ilum and Starkiller Base are in the same place. And I'm pretty sure that in um, some concept art for a very specific video game that I do want to talk about one day, um, you can kind of see that where Ilum's trajectory ends is probably something similar to Starkiller Base. Um, the question number three was, who is Blue Leader from Rogue One? And the correct answer is General Anton Merrick, or as Michael put it, the guy with the mustache, which, you know what, if you will put that instead, I might have accepted that as partial credit. Question number four was, who flew under the moniker of Red Five before Luke did in Rogue One? And the answer is Pedrin Gal. Pedrin Gal, folks. Pour one out for poor Pedrin Gal. Uh, number five, what was the name of Broom Boy? What is his actual name? And his name is Temery Blag. I don't know about you guys, but about 10, 15 years from now, we're going to see that on a lot of the top 10 like favorite like boys' names list. Um, question number six, how many Praetorian guards were there? There were eight. Eight Praetorian guards. Uh, question number seven, prior to Han Solo besting the record for the Kessel Run, what was to be believed... What was believed to be the best record of the Kessel Run up until that point? And from Lando in Solo, a Star Wars story, he says, you can't complete the Kessel Run in less than 20 parsecs. Question number eight, what was the name of the Final Order Sith Fleet Star Destroyer that blew up Kijimi? And the answer is the Star Destroyer Darafan. Again, no idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it is the Darafan. Question number nine. Who killed Ray's parents? And once again, I asked for a blank, blank, blank name. And the answer I was looking for was Ochi of Bestoon. Yes, poor Ochi, who got uh, had the dagger and everything and just fell into some quick, quicksand or Star Wars quicksand and never lived to uh, talk another day. Um, and question number 10, which actually had a bunch of answers. Name at least two other people that answered the Resistance's call for help at the Battle of Exegol. And we have such answers as Zay Versio, Kazuto Ziono, Zori Bliss, Babu Frick, Wedge and Tillies. And there's actually a couple other names from the uh, Rise of Skywalker novelization I was kind of surprised to see. Um, we have people from the alphabet squadron book we have somebody from uh god there's a couple of ships in there that that i've never even heard of before you type them into wikipedia and it just says this is their first appearance so who knows that could be something important later on to anyone's guess as of now so no with that being said those are the 10 questions this will give you a hint that if i ever do another trivia contest you know where my mind is when it comes to asking star wars trivia but no, with all that being said, once again, thank you to everyone who participated. Um, who knows? Maybe we might do one of these sometime soon. Uh, after this, I just want to say real quick, I'm going to – I okay, tran transitioning now into the titular topic of this week's episode. Um, I When it comes to Star Wars v. Clone Wars, I do, we are going to have some level of discussion about like once it's all wrapped up. It won't just simply be me. And with all this being said, um, I watched the first episode. What I've been doing as so f until this episode with the first two story arcs, the Bad Batch and the uh, Ahsoka goes off to uh, down their luck girls that want to sit there, be better than what the world's given them, whatever that's called. I watched both of those once they were concluded, all four episodes. But with this final Star Wars arc i decided i'm gonna delve into it one each week at a time like everybody else is and i know okay 
I know in the Facebook group there was some debate over like how I think Chris Porteous was saying like how I was going to respond to this. And if anybody who's watched this, I guess again spoilers. I guess I guess just to say that spoilers. Nothing really happens in this episode. It's a lot of setup. I I don't have a problem with this. I I do not. I never was going to hold these last four episodes of the Clone Wars against the micro series. I guess it should be stated that if you've never listened to our micro series discussions, is that the chapters twenty one through twenty five, outside of the resolution to chapter twenty with Grievous, Kiati, Mundi, Shakti. I've never held those particular chapters in high regard. I never liked Nelvon. I the Battle of Coruscant stuff was fine from Clone Wars the micro series, but I never thought it was the greatest thing ever. Like I think of chapters one through twenty. I think part of that is due to Revenge of the Sith was coming out in about like a couple of weeks when chapters twenty one through twenty were put out. So I never really had that like it was like that. Wow, this is the only Star Wars thing. Um, it's very similar to how it's funny. I, I would kind of lump chapters twenty one through twenty five of the micro series in a very similar way. So when it comes to my excitement to the Mandalorian, because it was just like we we got better Star Wars coming down the line, or, or Star Wars the capital SW. I don't need this kind of just like filler or kind of like the equivalent of bread before a meal. Um, so with that being said, I don't mind the direction that they're taking this in. I don't have any problems with the fact that like there's no Nelvon or anything like that. Um, I thought it was really neat that there is one like. Oh god, I think Obi-Wan says it that Chance um Shock T went off to protect Chancellor Palpatine, that Mace Windu lost contact with her, which is clearly a nod to the micro series, which is something they've done only a couple of times now with the micro series, where do you have an example like that where it's not saying a specific thing of the micro series happened, but it's definitely laying the groundwork for it. The other example of that was I know in Rogue One Catalyst. That there's a point where something something happens, and they talk about the Republic's horrific defeat at the Battle of Hypori. And I think I've said the story a couple of times on the podcast. I remember asking Pablo Hidalgo about that, and I got a very snide answer of uh, you can you can you can be assured that the Shaggy Jedi wasn't there. And it's like, and that was kind of my answer. And then some jerk got into the Twitter uh, response thing and just ruined it and started asking stupid questions. Um uh, no, so like I I have I I for what it is I like it the idea that we're not going to focus the, the ending of the Clone Wars is not going to simply just be watching Anakin Obi Wan story roll right into Revenge of the Sith like we did with the micro series I like that it's being focused on Ahsoka and Rex's story and how it ties to Maul uh, I could never have imagined back when when Clone Wars started in two thousand eight that the final thing of this series would be revolving around Darth Maul. Um, I, I never, ever would have figured that was going to happen. And the fact that it is, the fact that they've made Maul into this really kind of like a character that eventually lived up to the huge, huge cultural status that he was kind of cemented in back in, in 1999 is kind of neat, even though 99% of the populace has no idea what Maul would later go on to be in Star Wars and just that guy who gets cut in half at the end of the film. So, but... Overall, I enjoyed this first episode. Obviously, I'm not going to judge the entire thing until I've seen all four episodes. But based on what they've done in the first episode, I do I like the direction they're going in. It's definitely keeping me intrigued. There's action. 
it it had it's it's doing a very nice thing where it's bookending the beginning of the series in the form of the 2008 movie. The whole idea of having just Ahsoka and you have the thing we'll called Ratio to the Bottom obviously is the juxtaposition of the 2008 movie where it's Ratio to the top of the cliff on Teth. And you have other things too. The fact that we have Obi Wan and Anakin are now on the offensive side as opposed to being on defense. We saw them in the 2008 movie. I again neat neat juxtaposition there of like okay like we're we're tying things together. Book ending being the key term here, if anything. Um, but there are some other things too that I just not that they rub me the wrong way, but I, the first thing you can't help but notice while watching this is the is that the animation quality is leaps and bounds better than what we've ever seen before when it comes to Disney Star Wars animation. Um, I think outside of maybe the Tarkovsky series, there's there's no question this is the best animation we've ever seen when it comes to Star Wars being animated. And I know a lot of people are saying, "Wow, they're really treating us to a fantastic finale." And then that that's fine. They, again. Uh, by no means, I don't want the quality to be diminished. But I think the thing is that bothers me is if they could always keep the quality this high, why couldn't they do this all the time? It's like it kind of shows that, like, okay, I get it. They want the ending to go out with a bang. But if, if you, you had the ability to do this all along, why weren't you? And I just it makes everything else look lazier by comparison. Again, I don't know how you can look at this episode and look at the Bad Batch and be like, they're on par. It's like, no, one clearly had more time and effort went into it than the other. Again, not saying that I don't want less effort to go into the final episode. It's just that if treat everything in the sense of like keep the quality to the highest standard no matter what you do. Um, don't I don't like it when when we let quality ebb and flow. Uh, that was the one thing. The beginning of having the classic Star Wars intro instead of Clone Wars intro. Again, I get they're trying to put this on a pedestal as something that's supposed to be grander and much more important to Star Wars. But if that's the case, then why make it the Clone Wars? Make it again. They should have made this a movie like they did in 2008. Again, let's ignore the fact of the current situation we're looking at in the world. But it's the idea that like if we're going to elevate these final four episodes to something more than just the regular the Clone Wars series, do what you did with the movie. You you make it. You elevate it. You don't just elevate it simply through just like plugging in musical elements. I'm trying to keep this uh, uh, short because I do want to delve into this more with, with other people. I want to bounce my ideas off people. Um, the thing is, is that I'm having, and this is always kind of the big problem with the 2008 series was trying to understand Air Anakin's change in personality from attack of the clones through the 2008 series. And then to revenge of the Sith, because as you watch this, even the last couple episodes, like I would imagine we're not really going to see Anakin again in this based on what, what Ahsoka told us in Rebels and what we know Anakin's doing during this time. And, and for the record, I'm not mad them being like, oh, why, wa- why wasn't Ahsoka mentioned in Revenge of the Sith? It's like, I get it, folks. That came years before Ahsoka was ever thought of. But the thing is that we, like in this episode, Anakin is made to be like how Obi-Wan describes him in A New Hope. And that's not the Anakin that we're ever introduced to or ever see in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. The whole thing is that, and this is more, again, Lucas trying to retroactively, I guess, change how Anakin should have been played in the prequels. And the thing is that it just doesn't work for me. Like, Anakin is mopey and depressed 
in Attack of the Clones. And in Revenge of the Sith, the guys essentially were led to believe, for the most part, on the verge of almost like a breakdown because of what the Jedi are doing to him. The fact that they're kind of they're, they're putting a glass floor between him and the in the council, and you don't have any sort of like Anakin doesn't have any way to vent his frustration until eventually he just kind of like he snaps. He sees what's happening. The one person, Palpy, who's giving him an out to all this, seems to be in mortal danger. Mace Windu, who who he's resented for a long, long time now, is the one that's about to kill this person. That's going to provide Anakin with the salvation. And Anakin just reacts in this one moment and it dooms his life forever. And this is where the Clone Wars, I, I, this is where I would have expected them to work more and more into tying this into Revenge of the Sith properly. Because even in the Bad Batch, where we have Anakin and Mace Windu, there's no animosity there. There's no animosity there. And it's just, it's odd that considering that you've had all these years now to build up this kind of like, you could build up the animosity between Anakin and Mace and you don't. And it's like, oh, okay, that's, that's weird. Um, but that's the one thing though. It's like, I just don't buy the Anakin just being this larger than life person that he's really not in Revenge of the Sith. He's like, he's not like he, he's a Jedi in Revenge of the Sith. He's not the greatest Jedi who's ever lived. Um, even though as Star Wars fans, obviously we want we've we've been led to believe him. We've been led to believe that's who he's been this whole time. Um, and that and then even the and then the other thing is like even Obi Wan in this and this kind of ties into an issue. I've, I'm starting to have a really big problem with the Star Wars, is that they're really making Obi Wan out to be a I don't want to say morally gray character, but he's the type of character that just he's a stick in the mud. Like, he's just a character that just is, like, he is bland. He's, I would say, almost annoying, almost, in that he's such a a rules person. Like, he never takes chances. He does exactly what he's told. And I get that. Like, Obi-Wan, well, that's the thing. I do and don't get it at the exact same time. And the reason why I feel that way is that, like, you look at the ancillary media, and by that I mean everything but the movies, whether that be the books, comics, TV shows, and they've really made Obi-Wan out to be a stickler for rules. Like He's just this person that just goes along with the flow no matter what. And yet, you look at him in the movies, and for the most part, like yes, he listens to the orders from the Jedi Council, but he's pretty audacious most of the time. Like Look what he does in... in Attack of the Clones. Like he goes chasing after Jango Fett. He he does all these things. Like he gets interrogated interrogated by Dooku, and then even Revenge of the Sith. Like in Revenge of the Sith, Obi Wan is a good guy. He is good. Like there's no there's no gray area there. He is the hero of that movie. Um, and then you have stuff that like, and this is more maybe like. Disney era Star Wars content that's really kind of, and of course, obviously, the majority of the Clone Wars is not Disney era content. So I don't mean to paint with a, a broad brush here, but it's the the idea that Obi Wan was just as corrupt of a player in the events of the prequel trilogy as in like the hubris of the Jedi Order and things like that. And I like. I don't know. I don't know how you reconcile those two because Yoda is very similar to that where we have both Yoda and Obi-Wan who were part of this era of hubris in the galaxy, which led to the extermination of the Jedi and for how many years of tyranny. And yet when it comes to the movies, Obi-Wan and Yoda are 
unabashedly good guys. Like, I don't think you can watch any Star Wars movie and not get that Obi-Wan and Yoda are the good guys, or at least affiliated with the good guys. And yet you look at moments like in this first episode of the final arc of the Clone Wars, and Obi-Wan's whole thing is like, well, we can't get involved in Mandalore. That wouldn't be fair. Like, we'd be violating treaties. And it's like, no. Like, the Obi-Wan for Revenge of the Sith that goes to Utapau to track down Grievous, that, that's a completely separate character that we're getting right now in the Clone Wars. And then even this whole thing where Ahsoka kind of confronts him, it's like, well, you're just going to turn your back on the people of Mandalore. And they have, and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka have this kind of brief, like, back-and-forth exchange that's a little pointed. And I just, I, I'm like, this, this is not the same character from Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith. Forget the original trilogy. And I just, I don't get that. I, I think Obi-Wan, yes, Obi-Wan eventually goes with the flow of what Anakin wants to do, saying like, oh, like I'll take half the 501st and give them to Ahsoka, and we'll, we'll figure out some way to get around the bureaucracy and the red tape. Like, sure, he renegs, but considering, too, that Obi-Wan's this major player in the Clone Wars, and this is how we essentially left him, like, this is his final story in the Clone Wars, and... This is this is kind of it for this era of Obi Wan, and his final moment is being a stick in the mud, and that that doesn't gel with how we're presented with him in Revenge of the Sith, where he's this good guy who's just gung ho, being like, "I'm going to stop the bad guys at any at any moment," especially when it comes to his his, his history with Maul. Um, I and all the stuff they did with Duchess Satine and Bo Katan and all that work. I just I don't get it. I just I, I think there's a discrepancy there when it comes to the the character, um, how they're portrayed from from one portion of the story to the other. It's almost as if the character just weirdly went off on a, uh, a, a, a oh god I won't even say like a tangent, but just kind of like a little bit of like a, a side rail and kind of just went off to it's as if two characters and that's the thing I just don't get with this. Um, I just hope that people like I'm not sure. Maybe I'm maybe I'm alone. I don't know. Let let me know if uh, if you think I'm wrong about this. Um, and, and just again, before you respond, just think. Compare the Obi Wan of the Clone Wars with the Obi Wan from Revenge of the Sith, and tell me how closely they align, or at least overlap. Um, there's some other things I want to say about this episode, but I'm going to save them for the eventual discussion. I know there's a lot of not Boba Fett's flying around on jetpacks in this, and. It doesn't bother me the same way it does in the Mandalorian, and I think that's that's something that's that's worth discussing. But I'm not going to get into it right now. Um, I for everything we saw in Mandalore, I enjoyed. I thought the action was fun. Um, I love Bo-Katan as a character. I'm shocked there's not more Bo-Katan merchandise. That's just one of those characters that you think, considering that that considering that character's been around now for almost ten years, maybe even longer, technically. I don't know why there's not more merchandise of her. Another one of those things where it's just, I, I don't get it. You think anything with the Mandalorian helmet on it just flies off the shelves. That's an easy one. The the very the, the thing at the very beginning with, with Anakin and like they're they're on the thing when they're, when they're on the offensive and they're going after the droids and he's having the thing where it's like, I surrender, I surrender, and all the droids like shut down. And it's like like that's so cheap. Like I, I Obi Wan does that, and I get it. In the two thousand eight movie, where they're trying to fake out a surrender, and the droids are like, "Oh, we believe it," and I get it. The droids are stupid. Like, fine, like they obviously I don't expect them to advance at all any of this. But still, it's it's the whole thing. It's still a war. That it, they've done it before, but that's that's 
weird sort of fan service because it makes sense. There was there's more clever ways to have that bookend when it comes to the series and not make it that blatant or just something that just kind of just doesn't make sense in the universe. Um, you, you think the droids are stupid, but they at least they weren't that dumb. Uh, and I think I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to say about this. I'm looking forward to the, the last three episodes of this. Unless I do something really kind of goofy or dumb, I I don't see how they don't stick this landing. All the pieces are in place. Uh, it's just some of the character stuff. Again, I, I, it's always fun seeing Ahsoka come back. Uh, it's kind of sad this is going to be the last time we're going to see Ahsoka be uh, an Ashley Eckstein iteration of the character. Because after this, we get Rosario Dawson. And that's going to be... Somewhat jarring, but I at the end of the day, I feel bad more for Ashley Eckstein as the actress, considering that she's the one that brought this character to life how many years ago and has been carrying the torch all these years than just to take it and give it to some actress just because it's easy. I, I it's fun. It's one of those things where like I just I wonder what George Lucas would do because I know when they were making Revenge of the Sith, they deliberately made the Darth Vader costume. So Hayden Christensen could fit in it. They didn't just hire some stunt man that was like six foot something to sit in the costume. They actually made a very specific Vader suit to fit Hayden Christensen just so he was the one playing the character in the end. And where Lucas went through all that effort to allow Christensen to have that moment, it's kind of it's sad now that like after Ashley Eckstein has brought this character to life for 10 plus years, she's being cast aside because – well, we're going to do what we want. We don't care. And that's just another aspect of this whole Disney thing where, again, Disney doesn't care about things like that. Again, oh, we care about the fans. Things like that, man. It's like Ashley Eckstein, she she carried some water for you for many years. And he just cast her aside because it's easy. And it's one of those things like what happened with Ray, uh, Ray Park in Solo. It's like they brought Ray Park in. and Oh, no, sorry. Not Ray Park. Uh, Paris. Peter Serafinowicz, when he was the voice of Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace, and according to Peter Serafinowicz, he got brought in to do the dialogue for Maul and Solo, and then he got told, I think something like like a week or two before the premiere, sorry, we, we brought the guy in from the from the cartoons to do the voice. And he kind of like, his reaction was like, like, well, why'd you waste my time then? It's like, sure, that like they paid him. It's not like he did it for free or out of the goodness of his heart, but like, Peter Serafinowicz was live action Darth Maul. And it's like, you want to keep that consistency. Like, the same reason why you brought Ray Park back. You could have hired a stuntman, just put him in a chair, put the makeup on, no one would have known the difference, um, unless you were told. And it's just those things that just kind of, again, it bugs me. Because I think there's a, there's a lack of loyalty here. And that's the sort of thing where it's like, huh, it's like, I, I guess loyalty means nothing nowadays. I guess that's something that uh, I have to start realizing that people's uh, feelings can change very easily, and there's no such thing as uh, steadfastness. Um, but hey, that's just the world we live in. I guess uh, people will do wrong things even if it makes sense to them. Um, at the end of the day, when it comes to all this, though, uh, I guess one final thing I just want to bring up, too, about Obi-Wan and Anakin in this in, is that if you look at the Anakin and Obi-Wan in this show, kind of just their dynamic, and you look at what how it eventually will devolve in Revenge of the Sith. I, I it it's just so jarring how much of a fall Anakin has, and it comes across so abrupt because think about it: like Anakin goes to the dark side only a few days after what we're seeing in this first episode of this arc, and I I don't know. I don't know. I just don't get how you can have a character change that much. 
And especially considering a lot of people now, once this is over, will be watching these final four episodes of the Siege of Mandalore and be going directly into Revenge of the Sith as some sort of like viewing marathoning experience. And I just, I just don't get that. It's like it's it's almost like like whiplash. Like if again, if I was Obi Wan. And it's like, oh, Anakin's on the battlefield. And he's sitting there, like, jokingly surrendering to a battle droid as the droid army kind of lowers its weapons. And then four days later, he's murdering a bunch of Jedi children. It's like, huh, it's like, I I, I didn't see that one coming. And I guess that's another thing where it's just like, I, I guess when it comes to the writers of this show, the idea of just having people, as, I guess, personality traits, just switching on a dime. Um, maybe that's something else I have to get used to. The idea that people's just opinions change and just feelings change. And that's something that the, the creative folks at Lucasfilm have no problem with. I have yet. A, I just don't understand as a concept. With all that being said, though, um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I I don't know. Next time we'll be recording this. or uh, We're recording more episodes about this because I know there's some things just kind of like announcements I want to make uh, as I conclude this episode of the podcast. Um, next week's episode is going to be it's actually more of a preview of something that you should really really listen to i don't want to give it away but i would definitely tune in next week's episode it's not going to be a full-length episode but i i think you should listen to it because there's a fantastic conversation that doesn't just involve myself but involves zenger and a friend of the show host of my nerd world john justice hopefully by the time this episode no not by this episode though maybe by Next week's episode, the third chapter in the Embark series, The Vanishing War, will be out. But the three of us, along with the return of Ellie to Zegnis, we talked about The Rise of Skywalker. It was a very, very fun conversation. And it's we're basically going to have uh, – it's, it's going to be more something tied into that next week. And I hope you listen to it because it is a fantastic discussion. And then the next thing I just kind of want to say, I just want to put this out there because I know I would imagine most of you have picked up on the fact that um, episodes have been rather short lately, ever since the beginning of April. And the reason why is that I just, again, I'm going to be honest with everybody here. I'm not going to beat around the bush is that I've basically ever since the rise of Skywalker came out, I felt very burnt out with star Wars of, again, it's one of those things where I, I don't want you to take this, too seriously i want you to take it well maybe let me rephrase that i want you to take it seriously but not literally in that i i i feel burned out not just with star wars but with the podcast um i'm i feel like i'm running out of things to say i feel like we're running out of topics to talk about and i know that sounds crazy considering the wealth of other star wars content out there and i just i don't want this to become a podcast where it's just like like flavor of the week where it's like okay this week we're talking about this book or this week we're revisiting this thing from the past. And just the combination of the fact there's really no new concrete Star Wars stuff on the horizon. Yes, Mandalorian Season 2 is coming out, but that's October. That's many moons away. Um, there's good, I have a feeling we're not going to get any concrete movie news for a while. And you combine out the fact that just I, I feel Star Wars out. Um, the, I, I, again, I don't know. Things could always change. My passion could be reignited. Um, even like in my personal life right now, I just, I, it's been a struggle the last couple of weeks to talk about star Wars. Um, I'm in a place right now after doing this for over three years where I just kind of, I don't want to do it. And again, folks, I'm being frank with you. You're my listeners. I love you. every single one of you, whether it be just on the Facebook group, Instagram, uh, my Twitter account in on 
anywhere, the Facebook group, especially, I don't want to let any of you down. That's why I'm being honest. Um, I, I, I do need a break, but at the same time though, um, I don't want to cut this off after three years. I treasure every single one of you. I don't want to lose any of you. I appreciate all my listeners, even the new ones that kind of just, I, I just learned of in the last week when it came to the trivia contest, it's always nice seeing new names. And that's just mind blowing to me that when I started this podcast, it really was something to just kind of start in the vacuum. And the fact that it's grown the way it's done, um, some tremendous things have come out of this podcast, things I never could have fathomed, friendships, relationships, um, things that were I never would have fathomed three years ago. And that's why I'm so reluctant to ever want to let go of Knights of Vader, even when I feel like I'm running on fumes. Yet at the same time, I don't want to waste your time. I, I don't think it's fair. I, I, I've listened to some podcasts before where I can tell they're running on fumes. And it's the worst thing to see something die as opposed to go out on its own terms. And, and that's not, again, not saying that, that Knights of Vader is ending anytime soon. But all that being said, um, I, uh, I would say starting in May, we're probably going to work on a bi-monthly schedule. Probably, I don't know when, but probably two episodes a month, just because it keeps things fresh. Um, and I'm not even, and, and plus two in my own personal life, I'm just at a point where there's a lot on my plate. Um, I'm, I'm mentally exhausted and just doing this every week is starting to feel more like a chore as opposed to something fun. Um, it doesn't feel like the outlet for creative energy that it once did. And I get why after three years, that's hard to sustain that sort of energy. But at the same time, I don't want to be one of those people that throws out a perfectly good thing because I had a, a change of heart on a whim, despite the fact this thing has given me so many great things. Um, I don't think that's fair to the thing. Never mind you, the listener to throw something out just because you have a momentary, uh, Laps and feelings towards something um, But again that's another thing I have to learn That people can uh, change their feelings on a dime And that's something I have to reconcile with um, No but with all that being said um, I do want you all To stay with me and I hope you do Because we do have something really exciting Planned for the first uh, For May the 4th this year that Rob and I have been working on And it's something that I've wanted to talk about on a podcast forever It's one of the most important things ever In my life and I know it's one of those things too um, When it comes to Rob And I'm really excited to to do that To eventually kind of cross it off my bucket list But it's it's one of those things Where I, I want to be honest With you because I love you You're, I, wouldn't, I love all my listeners You guys are fantastic um, I don't care how much you love a bunch of not Boba Fett's Flying around with jetpacks I love you regardless And um, with that being said folks Look forward to next week's episode. Um, just because I just I bared my heart and soul to you doesn't mean that Knights of Vader is ending anytime soon. And as always, thank you to listener. Um, none of this would be possible without you. And from the deepest, deepest part of my heart, thank you. Thank you for being here along, accompanying me along in this journey. Thank you. So concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Check out our Facebook group. Type in Knights of Vader in Facebook, and you will find us there waiting for you. Find us on Instagram. At KOV Podcast, shoot us an email, kovpodcast at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. Thank you to Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. Knights of Vader t-shirts. So let's say you are one of the lucky sons of guns out there that has a Knights of Vader magnet. What better than to match your fantastic magnet than a Knights of Vader t-shirt? Now you too can be the most stylish thing in your house outside of your refrigerator that you most likely put your magnet on. For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter, at Cinemodis. You can also find me on the Cinemodis podcast where Rob and I are talking about... 
Alien, the original Ridley Scott 1979 film. And when you're not listening to Knights of Vader or Cinematis, check out Zenger's podcast, Zeng This. Also check out the Unbelievers podcast featuring Russ. And with all that being said, folks, good night, but not goodbye. And as always, trust always in the Force. <laughs>